you don't say I love you. You don't give your mom a hug at the end of the day. Like I feel really awkward doing that. And it's something that I tried to change at some point in my life. But I think my mom didn't feel comfortable with it as well. And I started to try like hugging her and saying things. So I just kind of stopped. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. Have you ever said I did it to your family? Every episode, we unpack controversial opinions about the Japanese mindset, culture, and custom. Today's controversial statement explores love in the Japanese family. From Human Burrito Productions, I'm your host, Kaho Koda, and this is Controversial Japan. my gosh, have you ever said aishiteru to your family? Aishiteru. It means I love you. Natsumi, a Japanese woman, asks me if I've ever said I love you to my family. In other words, if I verbally expressed my love towards my family. Yeah, I always say I love you to my parents and give them a hug. I don't use the phrase aishiteru because it's a heavy phrase. Instead, I use the phrase daisukideo. It's the same translation in English, meaning... I love you, but it's more casual than aishiteru. It's lighter. Going back to Natsumi's question. Have you ever said aishiteru to your family? I rarely use the phrase aishiteru, but yeah, I say the lighter version daisukideo and give my parents a big hug. Is there reciprocity? As in, do my parents say I love you and hug me back? No, eh, not really. It's complicated. Saying I love you out loud is such a direct expression of love, and it's something that the typical Japanese family just won't do. If you grew up in a Western household, you're probably confused. Don't worry, I'll explain. Today, I want to share something very personal. I want to tell you a story about my family, my relationship with my mom to be exact, so that I can explain what love looks like in a Japanese family. The first time I lived apart from my family was when I started my bachelor's degree in Montreal, Canada. I was pursuing a theater degree. Day and night, my focus was on theater. And my decision to work in the theater industry created friction within my family. Like any parent who had a kid aspiring to make it in the arts, they were worried. Back home in Japan, my Japanese friends were in the midst of shukatsu, job hunting. It's a very important time for third and fourth years in university because it's the time to sign a job contract before graduation. That's the Japanese way. Many, many graduates have a job lined up before graduation, and if you don't, well, <laughs> there is no if you don't. You simply need to have a job lined up. Social pressure. As for me, I was not job hunting in my third year, and my parents were worried, so worried. That every phone call, my mom would always say things like, When are you going to start looking for a real job? Maybe you should come home. You speak English. That's a huge asset in Japan. I rebelled. I moved to Toronto and I continued working on theater projects. And eventually, I wrote a play.
My first original play that I wrote, directed, and produced was called Decaying Tongue. And my mom decided to fly in from Japan to see this show staged in Toronto. I was extremely nervous for her to see my play. Why? Well, firstly, my mom is a critic. Decaying Tongue was my first creation. It was my vision, my world, my art, which puts me in a very vulnerable place. If this piece sucked, believe me, she would let me know. That's the thing with my mom. She's honest with me. She's seen me in high school plays and musicals, and there were never words of praise or encouragement. Rather, she said, As in, if you're satisfied, that's fine. So yeah, if this place sucks, not good enough or okay, she'll simply tell me. Secondly, um, she was a character in this play. Okay, to be fair, I did not anticipate my mom flying in to see the actual piece when I wrote it. This play is semi-autobiographical with elements of fiction. It's a story about Aya, a Japanese woman who grew up in both Japan and North America. She struggles with her cultural identity and eventually learns to accept herself. There's a scene where the mother character and the main character clearly do not understand each other's way of expressing love. There's a scene on the balcony where the two share a moment looking towards Mount Fuji, where they connect and understand each other. And this Mount Fuji scene is an actual moment I shared with my mom. I had no idea how my mom was going to respond to all of this. She's critical, she's part of the play, and she's seeing my creation for the first time. Will she say I'm not good enough? Will she tell me to start looking for a serious job again? Will she say anything? Hard to say. Her reaction after the show surprised me. She was in tears. Not just watery eyes, she was actually sobbing with the tissue in her hand. No words. She kept dabbing tissues into her eyes with a red face. She saw this play three times during her stay in Toronto, and every time she cried. A little less than the time before, but she still needed a tissue. And as we spent time together during her visit, I noticed something change. She stopped asking me what I was doing with my life, if I would ever find a stable job that had a good pay. She stopped saying I needed to buckle down and get serious. Instead, she started asking what was next, if I wanted to focus on pursuing a career as a writer or a director if I would ever write a play in Japanese. She asked if I had an idea for my next play. When I noticed that change, I knew. Oh, she's proud of me. She enjoyed my play, and I felt her love. But again, there were no words of encouragement from my mom. No, I'm proud of you, or you're doing great, or I love you. Never words of affirmation. But she saw how serious I was, and she finally understood. So she started asking supportive questions. I knew she was being supportive and loving because that's the Japanese way of showing love and affection. Actions. Instead of words. Let's go back to Natsumi's quote again. You heard this at the beginning of the episode. You don't say, I love you. You don't give your mom a hug at the end of the day. Like, I feel really awkward doing that. And it's something that I tried to change at some point in my life. 
but I think my mom didn't feel comfortable with it as well. And I started to try like hugging her and saying things. So I just kind of stopped. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. Have you ever said Aishiteru to your family? Today, we're going to look at how the Japanese family expresses love. Just a note, today's about the Japanese family. I won't be going into romantic relationships or friendships. That'll be for another time. I talked to many Japanese individuals for this podcast, and the following is what the majority told me. It made them feel awkward and cringe just thinking about saying, I love you. They preferred showing love indirectly through actions. Of course, not everyone feels that way. Some are happy to hug and say, I love you. But before we go there, let's focus on Natsumi and many other Japanese individuals who would rather avoid saying, I love you, right after the break. Controversial Japan is made possible by you, the listener. At our Human Burrito webshop, we sell t-shirts, hoodies, tote bags, and many other items. And if you were intrigued by the concept of decaying tongue, the full script is available as an ebook. Go to shop.humanburrito.com and you can download the play. All the proceeds on the webshop go to the cost of this production and the designers that create this show. Buy and support at shop.humanburrito.com. Okay, let's look at the majority's response. The reaction, I feel awkward saying I love you to my family. Eri is one of many Japanese individuals who feel that way. She's a Japanese woman who was raised in South Korea, Malaysia, and Japan, and so she has an international mindset. When I asked how she expresses love towards her family, she separated her family into two categories, her sister and her parents. Her sister, like... Eddie herself grew up internationally, and so she speaks English. My sister and I, we express it probably like through words, and also like maybe we hug. And we also both agreed that we cannot do this in Japanese. Like whenever we talk about emotional things, or whenever we want to feel closer to our hearts, we do this in English. And then at the very end, or like in the middle, we would laugh about how we're doing this in English. And we're like, ah, ha, ha, we're, we're doing this in English again. Yeah, you know, it's a bit weird to do this in Japanese, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why is it weird to do that in Japanese? It's, it's just not really in the culture, you know? Like, you don't really say stuff like, I'm proud of you, or I believe in you, or it's just not really a thing in Japan. And also... One of the most important things that I have in my life is、um, I want to have the courage to be vulnerable. Like, you know, vulnerability is something that I think is really important in my life. But even that concept itself, you know, even if someone asks me, okay, what do you think is important? Or I cannot answer this in Japanese because we don't have the same word for it. Eddie is saying that whenever she wants to be vulnerable, talk about her feelings, or display affection, She defaults to English. I'm proud of you. The sentence does technically exist in Japanese. It would be, But, oof, that's a very, very heavy sentence. Just like how, meaning I love you, is a heavy phrase. I imagine a parent talking to a child on his or her deathbed. The point I'm trying to make is, it's just not common or natural to say the phrase, 
私はあなたを誇りに思う。I'm proud of you in an everyday conversation.Maybe not even on your deathbed.Eddie and her sister have the ability to speak in English, and English allows them to be direct and vulnerable.Since it's so normal to say I love you in English, why go through all the awkwardness and speak in Japanese?English it is. Next, she moved on to the other category, her parents. I would write, I love you. What about saying, I love you face to face? Yeah, I, no, not, not even. Not even daisuki. I don't think I can really say that. I don't even want to think about it. It's a bit cringy and also like, I know that they won't know how to respond. And I also know the reactions of,、um, you know, when you try to hug a Japanese person, they give you this like slight, Awkward tap in the back, like, ah. And also, they don't want to be rude and they don't want the other person to know that you're uncomfortable. So they have this very good, they have a perfect smile, but then the smile is a little, you know, that this is a fake smile, kind of. I know that I'm going to get this reaction. Let's say that I say this to my dad. Yeah, like, oh, I love you, dad. Or like, I'm a papa daisuke, something like that. In, in a more jokey way, I can imagine. But then let's say I say, I love you, stuff like that, you know, more like, oh, I should you. Or like, oh, I love you, like in English. Like, I think. He would give me this reaction that he would give if, like, a foreigner tries to hug him, kind of. It's not just for the sake of my discomfort. I think my discomfort is also shaped around the fact that I'm going to make the other person uncomfortable and they're not going to know how to respond. Her sister speaks English and has an international mindset like Eddie. It doesn't work the same way with her parents because they only interact with each other in Japanese. She doesn't want to hug her parents. She'll go as far as writing, I love you on a birthday card, but that's it. Nothing more direct than that. So, how does she express her love to her parents? Simply listening to them when they want to talk, or, you know, when they probably have a bad day, or when they want to rant about something, just being there, maybe helping out with chores, or like cooking something for them. Or, like, actions. It's hard. I can't. It's, it's,、oh, this is interesting. Yeah, because there are so many ways that I show love, for example, for my boyfriend or for my sister and for my friends, you know. They're all international, we're all open minded. Like, I would give them letters, I would literally write what I like about them or what I appreciate about them. I would give them little gifts or I would hug them. I would just be there. I would hold their hand. I can't, oh my gosh, I can't really think of how I do this with my mom and dad. And Eddie was not the only one who gave me a perplexed look when I posed this question about expressing love. Satoshi is another Japanese individual who had a difficult time answering the question. Satoshi is a 48 year old Japanese man who has always lived in Japan. And when I asked him the same question, There was a long silence before he started talking. After a long silence, Satoshi explained that his parents are quite old and that they are spending their pension days together in peace. They live quite nearby, 15 minutes away by bike from where he lives, so he gets to see them a couple times a week. Satoshi admires other cultures that get to express love in such a direct way. But that's not how it is with his own family or other families around him. He acknowledges that maybe it's because he's never thought about it in the first place. For him, showing love is caring about how they're doing. 
He'll ask them questions like, are you eating okay? Is everything good? He added that saying, I love you, is embarrassing for him. And that showing that he cares makes him a little uncomfortable. Quote, personally, watching them from a certain distance is the best way. For me, anyway. Unquote. He used the phrase 気持ち悪い. It means uncomfortable, disgusting, creepy, depending on the context. Eddie, the Japanese woman who differentiated her sister and her parents, used the word cringe when she imagined saying I love you to her parents. Cringe, uncomfortable, creepy, disgusting. It was interesting to hear Satoshi and Eddie, these two Japanese individuals with such different backgrounds, use these terms because my mom says the exact same thing. Whenever I say I love you, my mom's response is, you're being gross. She once told me that saying, I love you too frequently and out loud, made it seem like I was trying to convince myself that I loved her. So she thinks I'm being gross. It makes her feel uncomfortable. My play, Decaying Tongue, that my mom flew out to see, has a scene that illustrates how my mom and the majority of the Japanese feel about expressing love. The Mount Fuji scene. I made this scene the focal point of the play. It's a monologue by one of the main characters towards the end of the story. Let me set the scene. Aya, played by Sachi Lovett, has decided to conceal her Japanese identity at this point of the story. She decided to prioritize her Western identity because that's more convenient living in the Western world. In this scene, Aya is on a date with Matt. It's their first date, and as they small talk, Matt asks what her favorite memory is. Here's a dramatic reading of the monologue by Sachi Lovett. Well, let's see. I don't know if this would count, but Mount Fuji holds a special place in my heart. In any heart of the Japanese, I would say. The beautiful, symmetrical mountain covered in snow. When the weather's nice, I can see it from my parents' condo. Apparently, a condo unit that can see Mount Fuji from it has more value than otherwise. It's weird how everyone gets excited just to see this mountain. When I was on the Shinkansen, the bullet train, one time, the train conductor made an announcement saying, After we exit this tunnel, you will see Mount Fuji on the right-hand side. And everyone took out their phones and cameras. As a Japanese person, it's always been there, but every time you see it, it's just... <sighs> Anyways, my mom always hangs laundry on the balcony to dry, and she would sometimes spot Mount Fuji in the distance. Aya is sucked into her memory. Right there in the west. She rushes back inside and calls my name. Aya! Fuji-san! Aya! It's Mount Fuji! I follow her to the balcony, but there's only one pair of sandals. So, Mom gives me her right foot sandal, and we both hop out on one leg. We face Mount Fuji, and there she is, the Almighty, right in front of us. Quite far, we are in Tokyo after all, and Mount Fuji is in Shizuoka. But it's a crisp spring morning, and the outline of the mountain is so clear. It's just magnificent. 
We stand there for a while on one leg, leaning against each other for balance. Mom is close, right next to me. And so I put my arms around her. She doesn't say anything, but lets me hug her for a bit. She won't say I love you or hug me back. She just untangles my arms and says, Kaimono ikanakya. I gotta go do groceries. And hops back inside. She got quite upset once when I asked her why she never says I love you. She said, My actions mean nothing to you, and walked away. It's the action that counts. Love is in the actions. When I do dishes for her, when she makes me food, when I hold her heavy grocery bags, when I teach her new English words. The unspoken actions are so much stronger than repeating I love you. And it's not just the love that's unspoken, it's the gratitude, the love for nature, the prayers, the late night drinks with dad without much conversation. Actions speak louder than words. She knew that all along, and I had forgotten. Words are pointless. Take action instead. The general consensus is this showing direct affection to your family. Saying I love you and hugging, all those things make both parties uncomfortable. So don't do it. Show your love through actions and actually care for them instead. You might wonder why did the Japanese prefer actions instead of verbal I love yous? One explanation is that there's the idea of beauty in not saying too much the silence. Silence is beautiful. Recently, the word Zen has been floating around. It's everywhere in wellness websites, magazines, Instagram, daily conversation. I hear the word Zen used so casually and frequently amongst my North American peers, more so than in Japan. According to the dictionary, quote, Zen aims at enlightenment by direct intuition through meditation, unquote. Meditating to find your inner peace. The Japanese culture finds virtue in the unspoken, the silence, the atmosphere. What's left unsaid? There's beauty there. It's peaceful. Don't mask the silence with meaningless words. Do something instead and let the action speak for itself. So imagine a particular someone, i.e., me, repeatedly saying, I love you to my mom. Mom, I love you. Mom, I love you. I love you. I love you, mom. It's just too much. It's uncomfortable. Where's the beautiful silence? Saying I love you in a Japanese family can be uncomfortable. So people like Natsumi, Eri, and Satoshi avoid that form of expression. They show love through their actions. But there are certain Japanese people who want to verbally express their love, despite the discomfort, like me, and others as well. Let's look into that next. On the contrary to Japanese people who find it difficult to express love directly and verbally to their families, there are, of course, other Japanese individuals who are accustomed to it. Ayumi is one of them. She's a Japanese woman who studies illustration in London. She usually goes to school in London, but due to the pandemic, she was back with her family in Japan at the time of this interview. 
When I asked her how she expresses love towards her family, Ayumi said it's normal for her to say, I love you, and say comments like, You look cute today, to her mom. She even hugs her. She acknowledged that she knows that people around her are quite surprised when they hear that. One time, she mentioned it as part of her introduction at one of her Japanese university seminars, knowing that it's quite unusual. She told her peers that her family hugs, and everyone was surprised. It was a such unique detail that her professor remembered her because of it. Safe to say that hugging and saying I love yous with your family makes you unique in Japan. It's just not that common. I wondered if this was because Ayumi has lived abroad in the US, Canada, and the UK. She's seen the Western way of displaying affection. So I asked her if that was the reason why she expressed love so directly. She said it's been the norm since her childhood. Her dad says things like kawaii, meaning you're cute, to her mom. She was influenced by her dad, who shows affection directly and verbally. So, no, she was not influenced by her time living abroad. On the contrary to Ayumi, I talked to someone who was influenced by living abroad, Misora. She's a Japanese woman living in Tokyo. She said that how she shows love towards her family changed drastically after she studied abroad in Texas for a year, before they were, quote, a normal Japanese family, unquote. That means there were never direct expressions of love. No I love yous or hugs. Her parents never said it, and she never said it, never questioned it. But then... She spent a year in Texas where she lived with an American host family. I love you was just everywhere. Heading out to school in the morning, her host mother would hug and kiss and say, I love you to everyone. I love you replaced phrases like, take care and have a good day. From Misora's point of view, from someone who never said I love you in Japan, it felt like they used the term so lightly, so casually. And she loved it. She thought it was lovely. So when she moved back to Japan, back to her family, she wanted to continue the I love yous and hugs, but in Japanese, and to her own family. But not too frequently, no, occasionally. When her family does something nice for her, she makes sure to say thank you and I love you. She also hugs her family when they make her very happy. How did her family take this change? Her family was very surprised at first, especially the hugging. They let her hug them, but it was clear they didn't really know how to respond. But now they see her as someone who likes hugs, and they respond positively and accept her verbal love. You don't say, I love you. You don't. Give your mom a hug at the end of the day. Like, I feel really awkward doing that. And it's something that I tried to change at some point in my life, but I think my mom didn't feel comfortable with it as well. And I started to try like hugging her and saying things. So I just kind of stopped. <laughs>、uh, oh my gosh. Have you ever said I stare to your family? Some Japanese individuals, like Natsumi here, Don't want to make their family uncomfortable by expressing love too directly. That's considerate. That's love. And others, like Misora and I, disregard that discomfort and express love directly anyway. 
that's also love. Maybe because I want my mom to accept and love my newly formed Western ways as well? Maybe? My mom stayed with us for five days in Toronto, and she saw the show three times. At the end of her trip, my boyfriend and I dropped her off at the airport. As we said our goodbyes at the gate, I hugged her, and she hugged me back. And then she said, I love you, in English. It was the first time in forever that she said it out loud. It was in English, but still. To balance out my surprise and happiness, I looked towards my boyfriend and joked, Oh my god, she said I love you. She smiled, I smiled, we hugged some more, and then she disappeared past security. It's a stretch to conclude that she's fine with me saying the frequent I love yous. But every time I'm back home and she tells me to come out to the balcony to look at Mount Fuji with her, I know she loves me and that's more than enough. Mom, if you're listening to this episode... And I know you are. I love you. I hope I can visit you soon when international travel is possible again. Controversial Japan is produced by Human Burrito Productions. We interviewed Ayumi Yanagi, Misura Yamaya, Natsumi Funabiki, Satoshi, and other anonymous individuals for this episode. Dramatic reading of Decaying Tongue by Sachi Lovett and the tunes from Decaying Tongue were created by Dilpreet Sound. Our sound designer is Junan, and you can listen to more of our tunes on Spotify. Our theme song, Coast to Coast, is by Mikara, and you can also check out our music via Spotify. Artwork by Macy Matthews. You can see more of Macy's design on her website, macymatthews.com. Technical support by Rizkarvink. If you'd like to support our podcast by purchasing our merch, designed by the talented Macy Matthews, who also created our podcast cover, visit our web store, shop.humanbrito.com. We have a lot of cute things like tote bags and t-shirts. Check out our website for more info at humanbrito.com. And if you'd like to send us a message, you can email us at humanburritoproductions at gmail.com. We'll be back with more controversial opinions about Japan. Till next time. Baby, but it was West Coast from the start. Coast to coast.